and you can live in the day. Welcome to Man in the Making. We have a special episode today. Normally, when we talk about stocks and investing, we Rokas and I just ramble on for like an hour. But today we have Penny Queen. Penny is, uh, I don't know, Penny, how would you describe yourself? You're like, you're, you're out there. You have thousands of people in a Discord looking after your trades and, and following in your footsteps. But you're not like the biggest Twitter puru out there. To me, you're like the OG of the trader space, um, finding things before they're talked about publicly by the famous people. I don't know. I'm happy to have you on the show. And why don't you just explain yourself a little bit better than I can? Well, you know, I'm on, I'm on Discord. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Reddit. But my main purpose is actually building a community of other investors. So it's kind of, you know, it's crowdsourcing when it really comes down to it. Sure, I'm the one who's typically calling out the individual investments, but unlike most of the, most of the people you find on Twitter, they're, they're doing day trades, they're working on momentum. I'm trying to attract buyers that are long-term in a company that see the company's greater vision. So I've got this great group of people, I think across all social media platforms, I'm, I'm approaching about 9,000 people. Oh, nice. And yeah, and so everybody's sending me the companies that they think are gonna make a big difference. And when I say make a big difference, I mean financially for the investors, but if you look at what we're invested in, it's all companies that make the world better in some way. So I, awesome. you know, that's my, I call it the mom test. You know, the, <laughs> you know, my, my big purpose in life is, you know, providing the best foundation and opportunities for my children. And that means a world that's worth living in too. So, wow. You know, we have, we've got a lot of clean technologies. We have some, you know, some biotech and we've got some disruptive technologies that are just going to reshape the way we all live and work. So yeah, I've got people sending me things from all over. I, I, I have a little uh, DD request form that I put together a few months back. And so things come in through there and I can take a look at those and, you know, quickly evaluate whether it really meets our, I guess, our, our investing criteria and then do that deeper dive. But, you know, the whole purpose of the Discord community is, you know, there's chat channels for all the different companies. And then there's some other general ones because I, I think you're not done researching the company if you still have money in it you need to stay up to date with what's going on it's not a set it and forget it it's a keep reevaluating and when there's enough people and there's enough you know discourse about something we come up with great great questions and we get those to the companies we get answers you know our, our power as a collective, is a lot different than you know one or two retail investors try and call up a CEO to, to right. get those answers they need. Well, I didn't. So I it's just a, a different method of of investing, I think. No, that's fantastic. I I had no idea really, um, even though I've been following your work for um, over a year at least, maybe longer. 
I didn't, I didn't know that that was your philosophy. Uh, and Rokas and I have, have talked about that before, you know, in long-term investing, value investing, do you, I've, I think I've asked this question, do you, do you just leave it? And, and, but, but what if the CEO is fired or what if something happens, you need to get back to your broker and make an action or else you're long-term investing in something that is failing. Yeah. And I mean, you, you said right there, value investing, right? So it means something different to me. There's, there's definitely financial value. Uh, but there, there's a lot of other values in, in investing. And that's, you know, the executive team is really important to me, who they are. They can make one bad move personally and put a company, you know, in, in dire straits. But so I, I, I won't, I, I guess promote is probably the right word. I won't promote a company. You know, nobody pays me. That's, right. I only make money when, when things I'm invested in go up in value. But Right. I will not select a company unless I talk to that executive team. I need to talk to the CEO and I need to understand what they're about and what their vision is and make sure that it aligns with my values. So, yeah, and it, you know, in, in developing a, a community, I think the, the greater value is in the, you know, that, that hive mind, if you will, we're not one investor, we're a group that, you know, in a lot of cases we own more than, you know, any other individual investor. So right. it's the, the collective at work. Lovely, lovely. We, we just kind of dove right into stocks um, or investing. Let's back up a little bit and just talk about you as an individual, as a mother. What, what, is, what brought you to, to all this and what, how does that happen? Um, well, it's not a, it's actually a pretty fresh story. I think in uh, March of 2020, I, uh, I had some money sitting in the bank that I had from selling a business. Uh, I'm a firefighter by trade. So that gives me a unique schedule. You know, I work 24 hour shifts and then have a few days off. So idle hands and I have a, a habit of buying businesses fixing them and selling them. So I had money just sitting there and I knew it wasn't where it should be. And uh, I dove into the market and I, my, my first big investment was microvision. And I essentially went all in. There was a wealth of information on Reddit and I went, I poured over that for weeks before I made my first buy and I went all in and it was, it was 74 cents when I bought it and it's gone up to $24 down to 12, up to 28, down to 12. And so I, I saw your recent um, price target from 66 to one. 132. Yeah, I think that's... it'll be on the higher end. And that's actually been my price target for, for over a year. So it's still my largest holding. That one's kind of a, it's a painful company because it gets manipulated so much. I have two in my portfolio that really, you know, metamaterials and microvision, they, they, they get manipulated so much, but in the long run, they're worth it. So I, I stay. I mean, it's safe to say that, that, I mean, Tesla gets shorted too, but 
would you say that Tesla, would you use the word manipulated or once you get past that certain point, the company is almost untouchable? You know, I don't think any company is untouchable when it comes to, to shorting and, and other attacks. There's always, there's always reasons mm-hmm. that somebody wants to drive the price down because they want more of it or, you know, they, they really see an opportunity to, to push it down. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't think shorting is always nefarious. I think it's, right. it's a, you know, it's, it's part of the market. It's kind of a part of the checks and balances system. Uh, but when it's abused, like you, you can look at a company like Meta Materials, and you can just look at how high the short interest gets on it. And, mm-hmm. and it really holds a lot of companies back, uh, especially in the biotech space. That is one where Ooh, biotech is nasty. If it, some bad news comes out or it's, it's really biotech is even worse because you can have a company that creates a medication that actually does what it's supposed to. But if your, if your trial is written incorrectly, you won't, you won't get approval, but it's also a space where uh, there's a lot of people out there that attack the individual companies Mm-hmm. And they write reports that sound reasonable and they can really manipulate the company. I, I think I have, I only hold uh, two uh, biotechs in the, what I, what I call the PQTF. It's the uh, penny queen traded funds. It's a, it's basically a Google doc that stays up that people can look at at any time to find out what I'm invested in and what the, the start date was when I called it out for other people to hop in. And only two of those are biotech because even though it's a space that I really believe in, that I think has a lot of promise for, you know, civilization as a whole, it's dangerous for investors. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, okay. We, st- we started to lose it a little bit. Let's go back again. <laughs> um, firefighting. Like, what's that like? Uh, it's, it's stressful at times. Uh, the market is my, is my stress relief area. Um, it's your stress relief area. That's awesome. It is. It <laughs> is. I, good for you. I, I feel quite peaceful even on a red day. So, um, you know, firefighting is a, it's a great career and, you know, it's a service career. And that's one of the, the things that, you know, really binds all of the people that, that work there together. You know, my brothers and sisters, I know why they're there. Uh, but we're there for 24 hours and, you know, sometimes there's no sleep at all. Sometimes, you know, we, we see a lot of, a lot of the bad things that happen in the world. So it's really good to be able to leave, you know, leave in the morning, come home and spend time focusing on ways to make the world better. You know, once, once you're aware of all the pain and suffering that's happening on a day-to-day basis, it makes finding solutions for problems feel really good. Mm -hmm. No wonder your, your trading philosophy or your investing philosophy is uh, based on companies that do what they do because you're, you're trying to make the world a better place and save people. I I think, I think everybody has the uh, job of making the world better than, than how they found it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the market is, Oh, an odd place, but I, I find that to be my leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can do things on a daily basis at work that 
honestly, any other firefighter in the same position could have done. You know, I can utilize my skills and abilities there in the same way that anybody else can. But in the market, I can find my own, create my own path. You know, I, I think there's a thousand ways to make money in the market, probably a couple thousand ways to lose it. But, you know, you can, you can cut out your own path here and, um, and create something that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I've got a game plan. And as long as I keep executing it, I think the results will, will be the same. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like, and I also like how you're transparent. You say how much you have, um, and your ideal hold time. That's something that I don't see a lot. And you just see kind of numbers on a screen of someone's profit and loss, but you're out there and you're actually saying, I have this many shares. Do you, do you yeah. think that kind of boosts morale? Well, I, I normally keep it to, um, I normally keep it to percentages. There have been a couple of times where I've, where I've actually mentioned a, a share count, but that's because I thought it was important to the conversation just to, to say, this is how much conviction I have. Right. Uh, but in general, I like to talk percentages because you can take somebody who's got a thousand dollar portfolio and somebody who's got a $10 million portfolio. Uh -huh. And if they both have 10% in a stock, that, that says something about the company. You know, and, and I, I think it's also really important for investors to, to not get discouraged because that, you know, that thousand dollar account can really become something. Mm -hmm. And, and I know, you know, I invest in, in the micro cap or the nano cap, the small cap, there's so many different names, but it's small companies. And, you know, there, there comes a point where you might own a percentage of that company. Mm -hmm. And that's something you can't do. And I, I'm never going to own a percentage of Tesla. That's I, I'm okay with that. I'm very okay with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but but when when talking to people and, and they start to get discouraged, when you look at these small caps, there's a lot of opportunity to actually make changes for the company with your ownership. Mm -hmm. And those those small accounts become become big. I mean, I know I I've watched my I've watched my account double and double and it's it's a good experience that I think can be shared as long as people don't get discouraged by those little mini stepbacks. Rokas, stop me if you if you have anything. I'm just like blurting things um, out. What is your mindset around money? <laughs> money. Well, I can tell you that I have a lot more money now than I ever intended to have. But I can also tell you that in the past year and a half, I spent either five or $6 on a bridge toll. And that's the only money that I've spent for my earnings. <laughs> uh, as long as my, you know, my family's needs are met, I'm, I'm happy. And so I, I have the goal of creating security for my children, which at this point I, I feel that I've done. And now my goal is looking further into the world, figuring out where I can place that money for the greater good. So I'm just going to keep stacking it up and, um, you know, letting, letting that leverage grow and, and finding, you know, ways to utilize it. So you haven't bought a yacht yet. No, I've, I have no interest in that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I, I live out here on a farm and, um, Oh, it must be peaceful. It, it is. 
I've, I've got a little pond and a canoe and that's, you know, my, my needs in this life are completely met. More money's not going to make my life better. Uh, it's just, it's just not the, uh, where, where I find quality in life is definitely not in possessions. So does that, does that answer the, the question? Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Money's just a tool. That was a great question. Great answer. I mean, yeah, we talk about that a lot, of course, uh, this being like centered around a Zen podcast and, and my experience in a monastery. Um, yeah, those things uh, are useful. They're fun. It's nice to be comfortable and not have to, to worry financially. But uh if uh, something I always say is if, if your security is rooted in external things, um, you're not going to be happy. And if you are happy, eventually the same thing that makes you happy is going to make you sad. And <laughs> I could not agree more. Yeah. You mentioned, I'll go back to stocks again. You mentioned price target before. So what do you look at when setting a price target on a stock? Well, in order for me to pick up a company and, and you know, run with it, I need it to be undervalued. So when I, when I do my interviews, my, my goal is to figure out, hey, what are your current sales? What are your sales going to? And you know, what's the appropriate uh, PE ratio for this industry? It's a really simple method. And I have quite a few people on my discord that really have that true accounting background, or they're, they're especially good at valuation. And I find that my simple, my simple skills, um, get, get me the same price targets. It's, it's always in the same range. And I, and I do bounce it off people who I know have, have a better foundation in that. I mean, it's one of the purposes of the community, but I'll, I'll decide based on what I know this is where a company should be. This is what the value is, you know, just basic, basic things, figuring out what, you know, full dilution is and, and, you know, doing, doing some simple division. And that's where I set my target, but then they always get adjusted because things change. Maybe a company gets additional contracts. Maybe they, you know, maybe they add a complete vertical to their, to their business model. So there's my initial price target, and then there's things that change. That's that's another reason the community is important because if somebody tells you that you know this company is running to 50 bucks and you keep that in your head, and two years later when it's at 12 bucks, you wonder what happened. So it's important to keep to keep updated. Um, last week, you know, we had we had a lot of chaos with Cielo. It's one of one of my group's largest investments. It's a basically trash to renewable diesel play, huge potential, but it's a complicated problem they're solving. You know, they, they've, they've solved it. Now they're making it bigger. They're growing it to scale. So this was a major, it was major chaos in the community because a lot of people have invested a lot of money in this individual company, um, which goes back to one of my basic rules though, never invest money that you can't afford to lose. And if it would make you cry to lose it all, that's a sign you put too much in. So, um, but that's, that's something where we have to continue to evaluate. Hey, is this a minor setback? Is this a deviation from the plan? 
is this, you know, where does this put us five years out? Are we now off course? And so we continue to look at that. And so my price targets get adjusted. If it's, if it's a minor change, I, I won't even bother putting anything out. I, I think there's some general, general consensus on, on most of them, but if anything major comes out, I, I alert as soon as I can just to say, hey, this is happening. Uh, but again, we've grown to such size. I think with Cielo, I think my group owns somewhere north of 35 million shares. Wow. So if, if I were to say, you know, everybody run, it's the, uh, the panic at the discord uh, scenario, then it would become a self-fulfilling prophecy that this price is going to drop. So, you know, we, we have to temper, we have to temper our moves collectively. Uh, but you know, those price targets, they, they just have to be reevaluated over and over again. These are, these are long holds. They're not, this is not an in and out in in a week. You know, there's there's other places for those. I, I don't provide that. So. Are, are you like me, where you get in at a certain point, and it's it's if you're coming in at the beginning or near the beginning, you're getting in at a really good entry point. But then everyone else kind of comes along at a different stage. Like Metamaterials is a good example. I think I think. 66 cents is where a lot of early people are but then you have people who are coming in mid-range or at the top of of a of a spike and then naturally the stock goes down with that the merger happened and it didn't go so well and now people are stuck in this huge loss i I don't know how to feel about that because it's like it's a and, and and i believe the and I do have a price prediction of in five years uh, to be triple digits, at least $500. And I'm just making that up. But it's, it's funny because I do believe the stock is going to go high, but a high entry point and a huge loss early on, it's still like, it's hard for me to fathom that, well, that wasn't the best place to get in. But how do you reconcile those two things? It's going to go high, but still you got in way too high, but it's not really that high in the long run. So what am I now? Now I I tell you the meta materials is a specific, that's not specifically, I've got my, my PQTF up and I'm, I'm looking at it right now. So I told, I published on Reddit back in February about meta and it was at $2 and 20 cents. And it was closed out at $13.95 for me. And that's when, you know, I, I spent a lot of time telling people that these mergers are very difficult because shares get locked and there is no, you cannot tell what, what brokerage is going to open up first. And, you know, you don't know who's going to be able to trade. I had uh, Humble earlier in the year. It, it was TSNP. Uh, it, it was the same, the same thing. I think I had this thing from like 0.003 cents up to $1.70 mm-hmm. or maybe 0.03. I, I can't remember, but it was a huge change. It was under my dirty penny section. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, huge change in, in value. And then the merger everybody was locked out for about seven days, unless you were with Fidelity. Oh, wow. 
So, and by the time it was essentially unlocked, there was a lot of profit that had been lost. So I spent a lot of time talking about that, but I don't give people entry and exit prices. I give a price target. And so my, you know, my chatter, if you, you know, look and see what I'm saying, it's, it's, Hey, I think, you know, I thought torch would go higher than it did, but it was the same thing about, Hey, you can either get, I think it was 1.845 shares for each on meta. That's right. Um, But this is what you're risking. And so, so for me, I made almost a complete exit from Meta. I held some shares just because I knew that there were people in my discord that were going to hold. And I felt like it was the right thing to do is to carry some with them. Yeah. And um, that would keep, that would keep the company more relevant to me. And then after um, I I think my re-entry was right around, it was three something for the rest of my shares because I do have that long-term vision for it. But so now I have a large group of people in my community that made different decisions. And a lot of them have a, you know, it's a, it's a sore spot in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what, I am still not sure how to feel about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes me feel horrible when people lose money, especially when, when it's needless. But I mean, think about it. You can't have everybody exit at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially what those losses are. Those are from other people exiting before you did. Mm-hmm. So I call it pain tuition. Every time, every time I lose money, that's all it is. I, I didn't lose. I learned something. So when you take, I can tell you a, you know, microvision, same thing. First big pop to 24 bucks. Oh, I just held on to that because I know the value. I know the long-term value and it didn't feel like a top. So I learned a lesson. Every all-time high, take 25 to 35%. Now I just do that. And hey, if it shoots to 50, great. I still profited right there. And I'm going to enjoy this ride. But if it drops, I'm going to feel okay because I followed my own rules. I executed them. And this is, this is what I'm left with. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as a learning experience, there's a lot to be learned from meta, but I think, yeah, in five years, when you look back, you're not going to have any hard feelings about that one time you were under. You're, mm-hmm. you're just not, you're going to, you're going to be so happy that you maintain conviction on this world changing technology and that you helped bring it into the world with mm-hmm. your dollars. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty yeah. long winded answer. <laughs> well, well, this is a long winded podcast, um, a long winded conversation. Um, Rokas, did you have anything on that? I know we've talked about meta before, uh, uh, not specifically, no. I'll ask my question later. I mean, I think people need to understand charts also. Um, are, are you buying? Well, and I think I did this in the beginning, too, when I first started to buy stuff. Um, I bought when it was on the way up. And uh, it's almost like Ethereum. I, I believe that Ethereum is going to one day be $100,000 a coin. But it's like, if you were to ask me, would I buy now above my average, I would have a real hard time saying yes. 
And it's like, what am I talking about? It's going to be cheap for, uh, if according to that price prediction, it's going to be on sale for a long time. But um, it's weird. Once you see what you bought in at, anything above that is like too much. I average up happily. Ah. And that is, I, I don't mind if I base everything off of my, my conviction and where, where I see myself selling in the future. Mm. And, you know, there's some companies that I don't have any plans to sell. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to hold this until something changes for me, but I can, and I can look, look back and see companies that, you know, I bought at three cents and continue to buy over a dollar. Ah. You know, it's not, um, it also has to do with position sizing though. I have some rules. I I try not to carry, um, you know, in the very, very small companies, it's going to sound, this is going to sound ridiculous and like a large number, but I won't carry more than three days of trading volume. Three days of trading volume. Break that down. Like the company averages 500,000 shares a day trading. Mm -hmm. Okay. I won't carry more than one and a half million shares. I see. So, but that tells you how quickly I can exit. Mm-hmm. And it's not very quickly. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these companies are, are you know, they're bigger and, and my position wouldn't even be noticed mm-hmm. in a day if I, if I completely, you know, abandon ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, the level of conviction I'm, I have to develop in order to, to keep these bigger um, bigger holdings because there's only so many companies I can have in my portfolio and truly know them. And right. You know, one of the, one of the reasons for the, you know, the, the peak UTF that I put together, what do I have on there right now? As far as active companies, I have 12. Okay. So that means if somebody actually buys things, cause I say, I like them, then they're going to have a lot less risk exposure in any one company. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I need to know the companies well enough. And if 12 is my max, then I have to be able to divide my, my money within these 12 companies. So it means I'm going to have larger positions than some. And, and that's just. That's interesting that you bring up a, uh, like a, an investor morality if you're exiting a position that you would actually care enough about a position that you're exiting to exit a certain way. I I don't ever want to damage a company. I mean, the companies that I've chosen, I've chosen for good reason. Mm -hmm. So to do harm to the company, it certainly won't help their long-term goals or their shareholders. So Mm -hmm. And this is a, this is a community thing. If I just wanted to, if I just wanted to make money, then I would find a company, buy as much as I could, and then tell everybody about it. That's not what I do. If you take a look at, you know, the trading history of the companies that, that I call out, I'm occasionally I'll buy some ahead of time to take a look at it, watch the chart, you know, make it relevant to me. If it's in my portfolio, it's, right. it's much more relevant than, than the 80 companies on my research list. Um, but I, I'm buying with everybody else. Um, a good, good example of that last one I, I added was 
Zortex. It's Canadian mm -hmm. ticker is XRX. Let's see, I, I think I called it out at 16 cents US and it's up to 56 cents US. But uh, my average on it, my average is 28 cents. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you can see where I was buying. You know, mm -hmm. I definitely grabbed some. Uh, I ended up calling that one out early because I, I put in a, a bid on the, the day I was announcing it in the morning and uh, it completely populated the board and started a started an avalanche of, of orders. So I, wow. you know, I basically didn't have any before I informed everybody. I went, all right, here we go. It's wow. uh, it's moving too quickly. So everybody better hop in if they want it. So how, how did you, or how do you think, um, I don't know, what was your, did you have a strategy to, to collect um, uh, investors and, and start helping them or did people just see your work on Reddit? Uh, mostly people saw my work on Reddit. I, I was in a discord that was based entirely around microvision and I spent oh. a lot of time in there and, you know, I knew a lot of people, there are probably four or 500 members there, but that discord belonged to somebody else. And I was putting out companies that were unrelated and I didn't want to make a mess of somebody else's discord. So I started one and, um, yeah, I think I had you know, 300 people in the first week after I, I put out some, some DD and, uh, you know, the first probably eight people that offered me help are still my moderators there. And, uh, they put in a lot of time, but, um, I think they're getting something out of the deal or they're just truly generous people. But so I, we're, we've grown. I think I've got like 3,400 people now. I, I opened it in February, maybe. Wow. So it's, um, it's been a good experience. It's, it's, you know, learning for me too. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not quite a digital native. I'm 41 now. So, uh, taking a look and, you know, I'm learning as I go. Uh, but in general, this has been a good experience. And I, and I think most of the people that are, um, investing with me are, um, are, are doing well. I think I've got a, as of today, I've got a 160% uh, profit uh, average. So that, that's a good day. Yeah. So as long as I, I maintain that, I've got, you know, I've got one that's down 30%, uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, others that, you know, have gone, you know, in the six or 700%. So we, it all balances out but we're making money together and we're, I think, making the world better uh, by supporting these companies. Rokas, how does, how does some of that hit you knowing that you're kind of an early investor? You've, you've, you've caught crypto before the mainstream. Um, so, oh yeah. So this would get us into crypto a little bit. Um, Rokas, but forget about what I just said, but does any of that kind of ring home or ring true? Yeah, only thing different with me was uh, once I've done my research and I invest, uh, I know I'll be in the company for or crypto ever for the long term. So I don't really, I didn't reevaluate my position much. 
Whereas with you, I guess the difference as well is with penny stocks, you definitely do need to be more alert with changes. Whereas with once a company has grown to a certain extent, it's not as important to be on top of things with it, I don't think. Unless something drastic happens, but in which case you'll find out fairly fast from the news anyway. So yeah, with yeah. um I have to say, even a brand new crypto that as soon as let's say as soon as you get to Coinbase, that market cap is so huge already. So I, I think you can, well, cryptocurrency is new in the investing world, you can say, and, you know, just really being a, a, adopted by the mainstream, there's still large cap companies, right? So you, you can't expect less movement. And if you have a five or 10 year, you know, outlook is that, you know, if that's where you're looking to reevaluate, then, then I think there is a lot less, a lot less going on. You're having wild changes in the market, and while you can trade crypto and use regular TA skills to figure out when to buy and when when not, um, I, I do think it doesn't require as much uh, attention to it. It's not, um, no, you know, there's, there's different scandals. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't, I've never thought about that before. Um, Penny, do you, are you only kind of OTC or... Do you also do crypto or what? I, I've got, I've got some uh, Bitcoin and Cardano, and that's that's it. So, uh, the major part of your your. It, it's not. Um, I I should say I I stashed some money there earlier this year, and it's grown nicely, uh, but it's not my focus. I mm. I think the world definitely needs new financial tools, and I think you know DeFi is a huge part of that. But I don't think I personally am going to change the world with my crypto investments. So mm. it's a place to, to put money and, and learn. And it, you know, it's part of what I'm trying to, to teach my children about you know, financial management. I think that's the new, I, I mean, I see the stock market moving to the blockchain in the future. I see, I see a lot happening around crypto, but it's not where I see my impact in the world coming from. And, and you you gravitated towards Cardano because of its humanitarian mission? Uh, no. no. Um, oh. I, I gravitated to it because somebody I trusted in my Discord said, hey, Penny, buy this. And I said, okay. okay. <laughs> I and mean, those, you, you can't know everything about everything. Did you know about a humanitarian mission? I, I did know that after the fact. Oh, okay. Okay. That's cool. So, but when I, when I, when I hopped in, it was just because, you know, somebody I trusted gave me the tip and, and I found that people tend to save their best tips for me. So right. there's this, yeah. there's this, this kind of, well, trade. yeah, they have a high standard, you know, when they're coming to you. Yeah. And well, and, you know, random people on the internet who are, you know, not inside my, my community often give me tips. And a lot of times I'll look at a company and I'll think they must be upside down in this and they want somebody to, you know, say, Hey, uh, but when it comes <laughs> to my actual community, I, I find the quality of the tip to be a lot higher. And, and, you know, those things float higher on my, my DD list right away. So mm -hmm. Where are you with uh, female investors? Is that a thing for you or you could care less? So the reason my name is Penny Queen 
is because I would post on stock twits and, and even on Reddit and all the responses would be like, hey, bro, good catch. Or, I mean, the, the assumption is that if you're investing, you are male. Yeah. And it irritated me. So when I picked my moniker, I made sure that it was very clearly female. So I think I have more women in my group because uh-huh. I'm female and maybe the nature of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm transparent. But I'm also pretty clear about why I'm picking these companies. So I think that does attract more women. And I think I might be a a safe space for people who are learning to invest. I get, you know, I probably get 200 DMs a day. uh, But if I were to base my my assumptions of of gender in the discord on that, I would say I've got probably 25% women, Mm. which is a huge population for the investing world. So yeah, I'd like to see that change. You know, my, my, my family is all female. So, so, I mean, I think women and and money is, it's a really good combination. I think there's some, um, I, I think somehow women end up getting skipped over in a lot of that early financial education. So, you know, my, my daughters are eight and 10 and my wife and I spend a lot of time talking with them about money and good yeah nobody nobody wants money to control their lives and dependence you know not having enough money definitely causes money to play a bigger role in your life so Mm -hmm. that's awesome um okay so speaking of the the beginner um how would you what would you recommend to someone who is dependent on money um, and they don't have any apps or anything like that on their phone. They've never invested, but they've got an extra thousand bucks. So first I would ask them if that thousand bucks is actually extra. (laughs) Because if it's not, it's, it's not the right place for it. But then I'd also go through what, what things they, you feel our necessities actually are. Because I, I think a lot of people who may live paycheck to paycheck do have a lot of extra money. I mean, I probably haven't gone to a Starbucks in a decade <laughs> because I find that ridiculous. I'm not going to buy, well, I don't drink coffee. So maybe that's my main issue, but I'm not going to buy tea there. All right. Um, but let me, let me do some quick math here. They've got a thousand bucks. 10 times. If you double your thousand bucks 10 times, you will have 1 million 10 times. That's. Oh, that's a cool way to look at it. And it's, it's actually easy. That's one of the reasons why I like the penny and subpenny stocks, because the amount of movement they can have in a day is huge. And with a penny stock, your first job is to say, is this a real company or is this not? I mean, I, I think the vast majority of penny stocks are, are not viable companies. So with research, you can figure out what's going to move positively and what's not. There, there are would other you, things that come into play. Would but, you recommend looking at pink, uh, the, their pink status? You know, I, I prefer companies that report their financials, uh-huh. uh, but, but sometimes they're just bootstrapping a company and, and that's an opportunity, you know, maybe now that they have revenue, 
now they can actually file their paperwork. They can, they can pay somebody to do it correctly. Um, so that's one of the areas that I really think, I think penny stocks can level the, the playing field because okay. that's where your, your sweat equity, right? You researching, digging into these companies can reveal insights that other people aren't going to see as they're just cruising around looking at you know, Motley Fool or oh, hearing yeah. what random people in a chat room say. Well, and the beginner is not really, so the person, I, the, the type of person I'm thinking of is so uh, foreign to that world. They're not even going to look at uh, the internet for stock stuff. They just don't even know. So they don't approach it. Hmm. And so what, what, what broker do they, what app do they use first? Oh, well, it I can tell on them not to buy, well. don't get Robin Hood. True country. I, I am a, I, I do not like Robin Hood in any way. I, I think they kind of are the opposite of what their name would indicate. Okay. Um, but you got to look for somebody that doesn't charge over the counter fees. I use TD and they do. Um, I use TD because it works so well with everything else I do, but I think, think maybe Charles Schwab doesn't. Um, I don't know. Or Fidelity charges a little bit for certain things. Okay, so somebody's brand new. They're not even looking on the internet yet. Yeah. For those cheater tips. Um, I would, I'd recommend finding a brokerage that doesn't charge OTC fees mm -hmm. and opening a paper trading account first. And I, I'm fairly new to that concept. What, what is that? It's a fake account. Make mistakes in there. Pick five, 10 penny stocks, regular companies, and buy them in your paper trading account and see how you do. Learn some of those mistakes firsthand without the consequences. So, so, so paper trading is not with money. No, uh, paper trading account and most brokerages offer them. I think even TD does. Um, oh, they do. In, in Thinkorswim. Thinkorswim is a super complicated platform, but it has a lot of tools that if you learn to use, you will become a very skilled trader. Oh. But a paper trading account, you know, normally they'll start you with, you know, 50,000 fake dollars that you can invest as you like. Um, I think my daughter had had one on Weeble before I moved her over to a real account. Okay. So my, you know, my, Your my 10 year old. old yeah, she now invests real money. She's up 38% for the year. Yes. She's not allowed oh, she's not. to. Yeah, she's not allowed to buy any companies that I own, though, because that's cheating. <laughs> oh, Super wow. Okay. So, um, and, yeah. but I would recommend a paper trading account and really learning from that. And then, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, that $1,000, maybe you'll have added to it. Um, Wow. Before you actually put it in, but oh, great advice. Yeah. And, and then when it comes to the, the penny stocks, there's a couple different <clears throat> theories, you know, like I said, it's 10 doubles before you're, you're at, you know, 1.024 million. Mm -hmm. um, so there's the all eggs in one basket approach. Um, what I like to do is have all my eggs in several very well-tended baskets. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, watch, I watch my companies throughout the day 
no matter where I am, I'll pull out my phone every once in a while, see where things are. I also set alerts. I don't set stop losses. Um, I think that's, I think they definitely have a place, but I, I typically don't set stop losses, but I set alerts in case a company goes outside of the, the range that I deem acceptable. Sure. And, you know, as I, I'm still learning as I go and, you know, I'll, I'll try and figure out what the trading range is and I'll set my alerts for both sides of that. So that if it goes below where I think it, it should, where, you know, it goes below that support level or it breaks through resistance, I want to watch it and I want to know what's happening mm -hmm. uh, because even on a company that, even on a company that I love and support, I will sell if it goes too high. I'll, I'll take some profit and then wait till it gets back to where it should be, buy it back and then, you know, let it continue its path upwards. But how do you, so how, in that rate, that brings me to like taxes. How do you feel about the short-term capital gains tax? Cause you, you know, if it's under a year and that, that, that volatility is happening, um, but you're still making, you know, what, roughly 70% of that, of that profit, right? So 57 by my 50, count. Okay. Um, but I am, you know, I'm privileged to get to pay those taxes when it comes down to it. Yeah. I have, I have roads, schools, hospitals, and lots of other things I need uh, be, because of them. I, I'm not excited to write those checks, but, but as long as I recognize that I, I have money to do that with. It's not like I'm being asked to, to pay and I don't have the money. So mm -hmm. um, I would prefer it, it be different. I have a lot of uh, microvision calls that are just about to roll over into long-term. Only thing, only thing I have that's anywhere near long-term capital gains. Um, but I'll probably get to pay short-term. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll be just like regular income. So you're, you're, it's, it's, you're making money anyways. So don't, don't feel like you shouldn't collect and, and pay short-term because of the taxes. I, I let short-term um, capital gains taxes hold me back from taking a sizable profit once before. Mm -hmm. And the more I think about it, you know, especially if it's, if it's in January, when that happens, something goes way up, I can sell and I have a year of investing that money. So yes, if, you know, I'm at 160%, if, if I can turn that a hundred bucks into $260 by the end of the year, you yeah. know, I would have paid essentially 50 bucks on it. Now I'm going to pay 130 on it, but I'm going to have 130 left instead right. of 50. So right. I'm going to continue to leverage that money. I mean, that's, that's, that's what the market is. Mm -hmm. We're, we're, we're capitalizing on knowledge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to make my wife write the checks when it comes to tax time, but. <laughs> you know, I, and I've heard that before. Uh, a friend of mine is a, a trader for a big company in Chicago. And he said, if you know you're going to win, don't let the taxes stop you because yeah. you're going to make money. So, 
and you know what, even if you lose, you're, you're going to be credited for that loss. Very true. So I mean, it, it really, it, it's going to work out. Um, somebody's got to pay for schools. I guess it may as well be me. Yeah. So, and it, it's a privilege to, to have that kind of problem on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, okay. I like that. Cause it's, well, that's go ahead. I was going to ask a different question. So carry on. Is that all? No, 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 no. I was just going to ramble anyway. <laughs> um, what are incorrect assumptions about being an investor? Ooh. Whoa. Those I, are real questions. Broke I probably back. have a lot of incorrect assumptions of my own. So, um, okay. The biggest misconception is that it really takes a lot of time in the market to understand the market. I think I understood the stock market after about three months in. That doesn't mean I don't have a ton to learn, but I had a good enough working knowledge to reliably make money. And I was making plenty of mistakes along the way, but as we go along, you know, I've never made the same mistake twice. I've made new mistakes, um, but you know, that your knowledge grows. So that, I think that's the biggest misconception is that the stock market is not for me. I, I don't, you know, if, if a 10 year old can figure it out and can understand what, what's, what's happening and why things change, so can your, your average adult. I like that. And I, I don't know, maybe I've never said it really too much because I'm still new myself, but I think maybe in private conversations when people ask me, um, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's just a process, I think. And if you pay attention close enough, you'll figure it out. It, it's, if you're, if you're um, flighty and, and you dip in and out too quickly with, with stocks and your portfolio and things like that, you won't, I don't think you'll really get a good handle on it. But I think if you have the ability to obsess over something for just a little bit, I have no problem with with obsession, uh, temporary obsession on a craft or an art, because if if you're that kind of personality, you can really learn something. And then once you know the rules and everything, you, your obsession can can go down a bit to to balance and moderation. So I I prefer to think of it as a passion. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, the line between passion and obsession is pretty thin. So, yeah. uh, but, you know, I, I'm a fan of emotional investing. I know, I know there's, there's plenty that would say that that's, that's how you lose money. And there's the, there's old, um, scared money doesn't make money. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually absolutely true, but, you know, I, the companies that I invest in, I believe in, and I want them to succeed. Therefore, yeah, I think you're, you're talking about it from a, it, it's different. It's not the emotional investing that I'm, that can be taken pejoratively. Um, At the start, you said when you're in red, like you don't mind, whereas other people when they're in red, then they panic. So, so that's more emotional investing. Yeah. I, I don't, um, I don't really embrace the, the fear 
in investing. If, if something's dropping and there's a reason for it, and that reason is temporary, well, here we go. This is an opportunity for more people to get in, in the company and I'll, I'll write it down with them and I'll, I'll be fine on the other side. I'm not going to move things around frantically because things are dropping. I'm not going to panic and, and sell, uh, so but I am going to, I'm going to love the companies I invest in because I love their mission mm -hmm. and I'm going to support them. And I think that allows me, I, I think my, my style of emotional investing allows me to avoid, to avoid the emotional fear selling that, that happens. So I mean, I think it is part of my, I, I think it's part of what allows me to hold. So could you expand a bit more on your, on how that works, your emotional investing? Well, if, if I don't see a strong and compelling reason to support a company and, and to want it to succeed, I mean, there's plenty of uh, day trades out there, right? I was going to say, if you're just day trading, right? If you're not, there's no feelings behind it. Yeah. So now I'll, I'll day trade too. And that's, you know, I, I have a pattern that I, I do every morning. Um, you know, I like, I like some momentum uh, trades and, and you can watch screeners and, you know, I buy a set amount of a, rapidly moving company every morning and I hold it for 10 cents and I sell. Now, if that company were to move dramatically in, in the other direction, I have no emotional connection to the company. I have a limited knowledge in the company and I will sell to not, to cut my losses right there. I mean, that, I, I don't think it's, it's panic selling. I think it's a set of rules though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. I, thoroughly not answer your question uh no you answered it okay oh, good great. good that's fascinating there, honestly there's so many more sides of of your um expertise that i i did not know about so that this is fascinating for me well i've only been in the market a year and a half mm -hmm. so i'm learning as i go and there's i i think you want to you need to know more than one trick so I've been able to get my, you know, my day trading makes me more every, every year than my career. Of course. Yeah. And sure. that's, and that's a five minute trick every morning, but that required a certain amount of, of capital built by other tricks, yes. which are, which my big trick is research. I mean, that's, so I, I mean, I'm learning different things. You know, I, I do a lot of options trading and that's, oh, you that's do. another one. I suggest that people definitely do a paper trading account for because mm -hmm. options are just like a mortgage. They're, they're leverage. Mm -hmm. It can be used to, you know, widen your control of shares in a company uh, or it can just be a layaway plan or it can be, you know, it can be used to maximize uh, swing, swing trades. So there's a lot to them, but I feel like there's more ways to lose money in options than there are to, to gain it. So yeah, I've heard they're risky. I've always stayed away from them. I'm not, I'm nowhere near smart enough to, to know those kind of things, but uh, I've heard that options are, are risky. And I think if, if, if I, I, I like the, um, 
the 10 minute, there are the 10 cent trades um, with enough capital. That's something that definitely fascinates me because so much can be made in a, such a short amount of time. And just doing that a few times a day is, as you said, can build a more money than a, a year's salary. Um, yeah, I do it once a day and I am not tempted any other times. And as long as I follow that exact path, then, you know, I, I maybe lose on it once a week. Um, and it's normally, you know, just, just a couple hundred bucks when I lose, but, um, I don't, I don't go back for more. I don't stick in, you know, I had one, there was one two days ago. It actually went 300%. I think it was over a two day period, but you know, I watched it, but I was not tempted to get back in because I know that that's where, you know, you get greedy and that's, that's where you, you can start to really lose. Yeah. And, and I think that's unusual, that kind of discipline and detachment. I, I don't think that that's normal, but does it, it, it's interesting. I mean, does it still surprise you that that's difficult for most people? No, um, it doesn't because if um, there's, I mean, everybody's got their own temptation. And if you especially if you're in the position of needing money, then you're going to probably make riskier. Yes, that's place. true. And that's, I mean, I think that's probably basic survival instincts yes. to get in there. Uh, but I mean, you leave a bowl of pear jelly bellies in front of me and I have, <laughs> I cannot resist. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's exactly what, uh, you know, some of these day trades are the cookie jar for a lot of people. And, you know, That's so interesting. oh, but it could go higher. It could go higher. And then the bottom falls out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fascinating. What's your view on technical analysis? Technical analysis is amazing. I am a huge lover of math. And since so many trades are executed by algorithms, it's very I think technical analysis has become more accurate in the past three or four years as because it's basically you're trying to figure out what the parameters are of the algorithms that are out there operating. And you have a lot of human factors in there. Like, you you know, if you're looking at the, uh, the, the RSI, I mean, I, I think that is that that's talking about people's risk tolerance and where they think something's overbought, oversold, all of this. And, and you take those almost subjective pieces and you put them together in a very objective piece of information to say, hey, this is where you should buy. This is where you should sell. I am definitely not a great tactician when it comes to it, but I have good friends who are. And that, you know, it's been high on my list. It's to really immerse myself in technical analysis but there's so many shiny objects out there that keep distracting me. There's new companies that come up and they require a lot of my attention. So I have my main group of people that are very good with technical analysis and they're who I go to before, Hey, I've got this company. I've got everything written up. This is why I think it's a buy, but tell me what's going to happen in the next couple of days before I send people down this path with me. So it's, it's, um, yeah. it, it makes for a, 
it adds to my list of rules. So it's understand what's good and bad about a company, understand where it's going, but check the chart and, and see what, see what everybody else thinks. I like that. That was nice. Yeah, that was awesome. When researching, I'm not sure, have you fully covered this already? Uh, what do you recommend focusing on when doing your research? Um, well, what are they trying to achieve? That's my first rule. Figure out what they're trying to achieve. For some companies, they are trying to sell more gadgets. Other companies have a, you know, maybe a, a mission. You know, a lot of these ESG companies that they... It's, it's something environmental that they're trying to solve. And if you can, if you can write it out in four or five sentences, what they're trying to do, and then write out why they're going to be successful at it, you've pretty much done all the work there. I look into the management. I look into their background. I look into the financials. I look into uh, the technology itself and the patent surrounding it. But the main two pieces are what are they trying to do and are they going to do it? And then I guess piece number three is what's that going to do to the share price? So it's, it's really not a lot to ask. If you've read any of, of my DDs, they're, they end up being 14 or 15 pages regularly. And I really try and keep it brief, but I think if I was looking at a company just for myself, that's the level of research I would do. So that's what I want to provide to other people. And I, of course, leave all the links there because I do want them to check in on their own, but I have a sneaking suspicion that most of them won't. So I want to make sure that I can pack as much of the pertinent information in there so that they're making educated decisions. But yeah, research is those three key elements to me, though. Nice. And do you factor in uh, human psychology and emotions when estimating share prices? Absolutely. Um, lots of people will tell you that the market is rational. And I, I do not believe it is because we are part of the input and humans are not rational. We, we have lots of other things going on in each of our own worlds and, and that affects how we trade. Um, there are companies that I, I think are worth a certain amount, but I want them to be worth more. And I have to acknowledge that in myself when I'm looking at something to try and give a fair, this is what I think a company is worth, but there's what I think a company is worth, what it should trade at and the range I think it will trade at. And those are all different answers. Yes, I, I agree 100%. I, I, I'm always, uh, I think a few months ago, I was looking at the stock market as a whole. And I was just kind of dumbfounded at how, uh, how irrational it was. And I mean, I'm all for people, you know, following a stock and getting behind a company and everything. But, but, uh, but some stocks are just not worth their what they're priced at. They're not changing anything uh, about the technology or the culture. They're just existing. And um, I don't know, I guess the meme stock craze has really, uh, I would be so careful with that because if there's no reason that that company can hold that level of support, they will, I think the computers will eventually win and the people will lose. So meme stocks 
Now it's great when your company gets picked up. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, it's horrible when that party's over. Yeah. Now I've experienced that with microvision and with metamaterials. So metamaterials, right? We know that it is a company that has this huge value. We know that their technology is going to reshape the world. They're going to be a household name. And that's, we as shareholders know this. But then there was a party and a bunch of other people showed up and they showed mm -hmm. up because it was meta and torch and this big thing happening. And it created this spike that brought in new investors. Some of these investors didn't want to be long-term long investors. Right. They right. just didn't get out at the right time. And now they're committed because they have to be. Mm -hmm. And some of those people might have changed their tune and realized that, hey, this is a great investment. This was the best mistake I made. Mm -hmm. Can't wait till it pays off. So the mean thing is, it's funny. It's great to, it's great to have people come to your company, but the market is made to transfer wealth. And there is no greater example of that than a meme stock, but somebody wins and somebody loses. And that's the, that's the, Hey, you know, we're getting it over on the shorts. Well, you know what? Shorts are people most of the time. Sometimes it's, sometimes they, they really are, are corporations, but a lot of people short and, you know, either you're taking their money or they're taking yours. It's the same money just being moved around. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the, uh, the danger and the opportunity in the mean stock. And, you know, I, I bought some game GameStop in January. It wasn't a, a move that I was making out of any great no. conviction. Yeah. It was, you know, I was still learning what I was, what I was doing and I saw an opportunity and it went up in value. And so I sold it because it was way over what I thought it was worth. Right. I mean, that was. But then you get the social movement behind it where there's, there's people who really believe that this thing's going so far. And if you sell your, you know, you're, you're a bad guy. Yeah. If you buy, you're one of us. I mean, it, it, this whole culture develops around it. And what we're yeah. really talking about is owning a piece of a company that sells something. I mean, it, I mean, the more you take it apart, the less sense it makes. Yeah. Precisely. I don't have any more questions for now. All right. Anything from you, Rush? Um, no, I don't think so. I feel content. <laughs> <laughs> this was that secretly was... just a Penny Queen masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of information. The ramblings to of Penny Queen. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Let's. Um, yeah, I, I the monks would say we reached a uh, shum kashum, um, a zenith. So why don't we uh, do the closeout where where Penny, where do where do our our listeners um, find you and all that good stuff and and uh, you know if you just Google the Penny Queen, you'll you'll find a link to my Discord or my Reddit. They're all they're all connected. But again, mostly, mostly ESG stocks, some disruptive tech. There's normally a flavor for everyone, uh, but definitely good community to learn from. And so the Discord can be found via Google search as well? 
you know, any, I, I think I leave a discord link on all of my, on my, you know, Reddit and Twitter and, and there's the R Penny Queen subreddit and you can find it there too. And if, if I go to Twitter, I'll just type in. I am uh, the underscore Penny Queen, but I think, I think if you just search Penny Queen, it'll, it'll show up. Perfect. Well, thank you for being on our show. Oh, it was, it was an honor. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, and maybe in the future we could talk again. Oh, absolutely. I'm always available. Sorry, I'm... we took you away from the market actually for quite a while. <laughs> oh, that's okay. The market doesn't actually need me. I've, I've realized that. Yeah. <laughs> It just keeps going whether I'm looking or not, and uh, it'll tell me if it has any major headaches or, or uh, you know, euphoria. It'll it'll ping me. All right. Well, have a wonderful weekend. And uh, thank you. You as well. Enjoy the beautiful weather here. Wish Bye. you all the best, and it was great to meet you. Goodbye. Thank you. Great meeting you as well. <laughs>